0: Today, I want you to listen carefully. Last week, we talked about baptism and the importance of baptism, which is an outward expression of an inward experience and how important it is that Jesus would walk 200 miles to be baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist as an example to all of us. And then the Father The Son and the Holy Spirit all was at one place at one time and identified themselves. God wants us to go public with our relationship with His Son, Jesus. God wants us, God the Father wants us to tell the world that Jesus loves them. And I hope today you won't go from this place until you have experienced the love and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've met some new folks today. i, I just looking at them. I want our, our couple from India to stand. They're the best dressed people here today. I want you to stand if you would. Would you do that where we can all see you? Just stand right up. Yes, yes, yes. Good. God bless you. Thank you for coming so far to worship with us today. The title of the message today is A Gift with a Guarantee. A Gift with a Guarantee. If you're a Baptist, I could have entitled this, Once Saved, Oh, yes. (laughs) Always Saved. Once Saved, Always Saved. It's not a three-month guarantee, two years, five years, 25 years. It is an eternal guarantee. According to the scripture, and I will try to teach us again today how true that is from the scripture that Jesus loves us unconditionally, and that when we are born again, everything in the past is put under the blood of Jesus, and we start a brand new life, and that new life will carry us through this life and the life to come. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Someone has said, he saved me from the guttermost to the uttermost. I think that's a good country way of talking about once saved, always saved. A gift with a guarantee. I want you to, let me read to you from 1 John and I'm gonna read from the, from the first, uh, 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, and I want to read slowly because I want you to really grasp today the Scripture. I want that, in fact, every time I preach or any other preacher preaches, if they use the Scripture, when the Scripture is read, it is inspired, it is inerrant, and it is infallible. It is not the picture, it is not an, a, uh, an attempt to describe what God said or explain what God said, it is what God said in the Holy Word of God. First John, go all the way back to the epistles right close to the end of your Bible, and we will read these words from verse 11 of 1 John chapter 5. And this is the record. Now listen, that God... Has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, listen, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. How could it be more clearly written? And the author is the infallible one. As God spoke His Word through the power of the Holy Spirit to those that were living thousands of years ago in every part of the world, to those of us that are living today, I give eternal life. I give eternal life. Then in John chapter 10, I want to pick up a story in verses 22 through 28. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple of Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him. And said unto him, How long do you make us to doubt? If you be the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, Listen, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. How much education does one have to have to understand that simple but profound, inspired and inerrant and infallible passage of Scripture? Common thought... It's like this. Well, every Christian has doubted at one time or another his or her salvation. I wouldn't argue that. It's all right to doubt, it's just a conclusion you come to after you go into the doubt. How did you come out of that doubting experience? How are you today? Can you say today, I know in whom I have believed and I'm persuaded he's still able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Let me tell you when people start doubting their salvation most of the time. When they start doubting their salvation, it comes right during and after a time of disobedience to God's leadership. That's when it normally comes. In other words, you're going along in life, everything's going to good, you're, you're coming, you're, you're serving, you're giving, you're praying, you're loving, but then something happens in your life, and that has shaken you to your roots. You come to that moment and say, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I went there and it happened. I just don't get it. And then the next thought that Satan sticks in your mind is, uh-huh, it's because you've lost your salvation. You're back serving me again. Welcome back home. But that's not the biblical truth. Amen. Luke 6:46 says, Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I do? We read that, and then we do things he doesn't do. We do things that he says thou shalt not do. Most people know the 10, but there's a whole lot more than 10. But we do it anyway, and we pay the price. So in the next few minutes, I want to share with you the answers to about three questions. Question number one is, can a person really lose their salvation? Once they've been saved, they have died to the old life. They've been born again. That new life starts over. They have followed the Lord in believers' baptism in obedience to his command. They put on the ring, so to speak. Can they go from that experience back out into the playing field of life and the wheels begin to come off in some situation? Relationships break up, health fails events take place and we begin to wonder how in the world could God let this happen to me? What in the world is going on in my life? So question number one, can a person really lose their salvation? Question number two, can a person fall from grace is the word we use. In other words, we are saved not by works of righteousness which we've done but by stripes we're healed but grace, amazing grace, how Sweet the sound that did what? (laughs) Saved a wretch like me. Let me tell you something in case you've thought until this time of your first backsliding experience. You didn't get saved by your good works. You got saved if you're saved by the grace of God. God wasn't watching your performance. He knew your heart. He knew what was going on in your life. He knew the pressures that were around you and yet... By God's grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's the best definition I know of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. And then the third thing we're going to deal with is can a person be saved eternally and then, their, then lose their precious gift, which is a gift forever and ever and ever. So let's put this out here on the table, and let me tell you right up front, this is a subject that we can get a lot of arguments on. I can put you together, 12 people, and they, they won't go to sleep for three days and nights trying to argue. So let's make sure that anything I say can be backed by the Scripture, because if I said it, it, doesn't mean anything. But if God says it and I show you that He said it, be still and know that He's God. Be certain that He knows exactly what He's saying. You know, there are different opinions on this subject. We can read through all kinds of Christian books, and I've got over 10,000 of them, and you will see different opinions, different perspectives on this subject. But here's what I want you to know when you get out of here today. What's your position? You're not going to be saved or not saved based on somebody else's opinion. It's all between you And him. It's between me and him. It's not anybody else's book except these 66 books called the Holy Bible. And so, as we go through this most important doctrine, I hope in the next few moments that I will have shared the truth with you and that the truth will set you free. Too many people's Bible doctrines come from their own personal opinion too many people have a position they are in life and they're not going to change they're going to think like they think do what they do act like they do talk like they do go where they go act like they do in every kind of situation and they're not changing i think the word is stubborn but uh (laughs) it's a factual word that's just where they live We choose our comfortable position. The question this morning, though, is can you lose your salvation? Let's don't get, I'm not going to chase rabbits. It's the answer to the question, can I lose my salvation, is predicated on how did you secure your salvation in the first place? you understand that? Let me say it one more time. The answer to can I lose my salvation is based on how did I secure my salvation in the first place. In other words, how many of you prayed the prayer? Hands go up. Question number two is, I joined the church. Or the statement is, well, I joined the church. I said the prayer. I was baptized and I changed most of my priorities. That's it. Did that save you? No. We're saved by God's grace. Not by works of righteousness which we've done, but by His stripes we're healed. Our salvation came as a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So let me ask us a couple of of, uh, personal questions. By the way, when I ask ask you a question like this uh, rhetorically, I'm asking it of myself too. The only difference between me and you, I've been asking myself these questions all week, and you just have a few minutes of it. But listen to me. Did you personally admit to yourself at some point in your life that you were not following Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Was there a time like that in your life? Or did you always have an answer for the way you lived your life. Well, I just grew up with so-and-so. Well, my friends did this. I may mean, I have all kinds of excuses. Did, did you go through that moment in your life when you say you were saved, when you admitted you were lost and you admitted it was nobody's fault but yours? I have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I am in need of salvation. I have never repented. I have never loved God. He's never became first in my life. You've got to answer that question. Did you come to that time when you compared yourself to others that say they're Christians? Now, if you don't go to church, you know what the first group's going to be? I'm as good as those folks that go to church. Yes, and you're just as lost as those that go to church that have never been born again. You don't want to hold that position very long. Now, some of you have held that for 25 years, you need to get off of that. The fact that you're still alive, you have an opportunity to change directions. You have a chance to get things right with God. Let me ask you another question. Did you ever come to a time in your life when you compared your life to Jesus? Not the preacher, not the church members, not the Baptists, not the Catholics, not the Lutherans, not the Methodists. But you compared your life to God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, nobody's like Jesus. Well, wait a minute. If you follow Him, you can go where He goes. He'll teach you the truth in all things. He can guide us. We're not Jesus. But we're children of the Father if we have been Saved. When's the last time, (laughs) this is somewhat ridiculous, that you looked in a mirror (laughs) and you just looked straight in the eye at the person you were looking in the mirror at and said, you are a sinner. Well, you say, well, people think I was crazy. Well, if it gets you saved, be crazy for a moment because you can't get saved till you admit what you are. You, 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 you can't be like somebody else and get one step into heaven. That's not what does it. Amen. You've got to say, I have sinned. Well, I just hate to be that way. Well, let me help you. This book says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. You've always wanted to be one that followed the crowd. Well, follow sinners. All of us have sinned and come short of the, of the glory of God. This book says none are righteous, no, not one, not one, not a single one of us. Let me ask you another question. Did forgiveness and salvation come to you as a result of something you did? Or or was forgiveness and salvation a result of what Jesus did for you? Now that's works versus grace. Did you, do you sit here today believing that I am a born-again Christian because I do better than most? Or was there a time in your life when by the grace of God I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more, but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. I was saved at age seven. I can remember that day as I told someone in the hall again today. I can remember it like it was yesterday. There's a change that takes place. I don't care if you're seven or 70 when you get saved. Joining the church will last you about three weeks if you're really good at it. By then, you'll have enough to criticize for the rest of your life. In any church, because there's none righteous, no, not one. But if you get saved by Jesus and you follow Jesus, I'll guarantee you, you're going to step into heaven one day and you're going to hear, welcome home. Glory. You loved my son, Jesus, who died for you. And you did not throw your feeble excuses out there like all your friends were doing, that they were just as good as the other one that went to church and all that kind of stuff. But one day you realized That without the shedding of blood, there was no remission for sin. And you cling to the old rugged cross. And by grace, you were saved. That's what's going to please the Father. And by the way, you won't have to tell him because if I don't tell him, he won't know. Oh, yes, he does. From the moment you pray that prayer, the Lord puts your name in in the book. And he never forgets you. This book is filled with passages. Wherever he leads, I will go. Wherever the Lord leads us, we go. But the Bible tells us that he goes with us to the mountains of life, the mountainous experience, the good experiences, right on down to the depth. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. The two groups of people today that are here in this building and really are watching or listening. The first group of people would say to you, well, I had it, but I lost it. I had it, but I lost it. This idea came from the 17th century theology. Professor of theology by the name of James Arminius who was a Bible professor at the University of Leiden came up with a teaching and a theology that has been, come to, to be known and still is as Arminian theology. Not inerrant scripture, but Arminian theology. The teaching was and is that salvation can be lost through prolonged disobedience or a gradual falling away. That's the theology. Arminianism. It is not the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. The theology is often practiced, though, and this is not to put down anybody. I'm sure there's some in the Baptist Church that practice it. But the Methodists, the Assembly of God, the Church of Christ, the Christian Church, the Church of Nazarene, Free Will Baptists. I can you find books. All of these have that theology come slipping in. But the scripture says differently. Stay with me. The teaching was and is that salvation can be lost through a prolonged period of time when you drifted or ran away from God. I would offer to you, you can't outrun Jesus. You can't go where the Holy Spirit wasn't there to meet you when you arrived. You have to deal with him, not with theologians, not with pastors, not with your Christian friends that think they know more than those that study day by day. That's not the case. It's Jesus, 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 Jesus. James Arminian, John Wesley, good men. No question about that. Don't ever get your theology from any flesh and blood. Get it from the scripture you decide not on what i tell you you're free to challenge anything but we've got to get in the scriptures this is the only infallible word then the second one is i've got it but i i i, I can't lose it uh, we call um, upon each other and, and we, we say, are you still saved? <laughs> well, I think I am. I well, no I used to be. Well, I want to be. Well, uh, John Calvin taught security in the Presbyterian Church. The Baptists teach it. The evangelical free teach it. We could put some other names on both of those lists. But falling from grace is a paradox. Let me tell you why. It's like being born again and then not being born. See, you can't be born again unless you've first been born, right? Theologically, you, you, you must first be born again. If you haven't been born again, you're not saved. I guess you could put it in street language and say it's like being hit by a truck or not being hit by a truck. I really think if you were hit by a truck, you know you got hit by a truck. By the same token, if you've been born again, you know it. Oh, yes, you do. Well, I don't know. You know, I I didn't change a whole lot. I was pretty good all my life. All my aunts and uncles said I was. My cousins loved me, and I was what's what and the who's who of the high school annual. Well, what did Jesus say? Jesus says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. Jesus made it very clear, very, very clear in his word. Listen, the gift and the only gift that Jesus ever offered is the gift of salvation, of being born again. That's the gift. That's Christmas. God sent his Son, we've celebrated it ever since. That's what it means to be a Christian, not to be a denominational label. label. It is, "I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And I will continue to be so. We quote this one often, not only at church, but most of us, probably at least once a week. Are you ready for this one? John 3:16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Would you repeat the last phrase? will have everlasting life. Not until they sin again, but everlasting life. Let's go down to verse 36 of the third chapter of John. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believes not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Let me take you to the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, Hebrews 7:25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. And then a final one on back in the in the in the New Testament, First John 5:11. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life and this life is in his son. He that has the son has life and he that has not the son of God has not life. Very clear. Very clear. God's gifts are for eternity. It's a gift or it's a wage. Either you get it free or you pay for it. A wage is earned. A gift is given. A wage, labor generated. A gift, love generated. My gift and your gift of Jesus was a result of for God the Father so loved us. He said, I want to give you something. I bought something day before yesterday. Three months, guarantee. I mean, three months year guarantee on the batteries. Three hours later, I'm beating it on the table. But I can bring it back. It'd just take more to bring it back and gas than it would to just keep it and throw it away, which I have graciously done. But hear me. If salvation is not earned by something you do, how can it be lost by something you do? You understand that question? If you didn't do anything to get it, how can you do anything to lose it? No, you didn't earn it. Oh, yes, I did. I straightened up. I quit my drinking party and running around. Everything else, good. You're healthier and happier. But that don't save you. Jesus saves. And him alone. The gift was offered by God's grace. And it's not based on man's goodness. It's based on the love of the Father and the grace of God. Salvation doesn't even begin with the merit of man, but it begins with the mercy of God. And don't ever forget this. Salvation is the result of God sending His only Son to pay for our sin. Period. Nothing else to discuss. Either you receive the gift, or you push it aside and say, maybe, maybe later. Maybe there's another time. Come back in a more convenient season. I'm just not quite ready. None of us know what another day is going to bring. We're sinners by birth. According to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. The 19th verse, for it's one man's disobedience. Many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, many shall be made righteous. Who do you think that one is? Jesus. Who? Jesus. Jesus. Say it one more time. Jesus. He's the sweetest name. I know. Romans 3.23 is one of the most quoted verses in all the Bible. It simply says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can name any Christian group or non-Christian group, we're all sinners, all sinners. I've tried my best to figure out something that my mother taught me to do that was bad, or my dad. I don't don't, uh, remember. Dad said, okay, now today I'm going to teach you how to be bad. It was usually with with maybe belt in hand. Today, I'm going to teach you to be good. Or at least change your way of living. But God looks at us and says, what in the world has the church got off on when it believes, or any individual? How can anybody believe that they can be saved by their works knowing themselves better than anybody else. Salvation was made possible to us through Jesus Christ because there is no way we can pay for our sin. We can't. You say, you just don't know how much money. I I don't care. God owns it all. He owns the heavens and the earth. All this in the heaven, the Bible says, all this in the earth belongs to him. He's got plenty of money. But he didn't buy us with material things. He sent his blood through Jesus to pay for our sin. Because of Jesus, four words. i give them to you in two minutes. Number one, we're justified. And the way you remember that word is, once you get saved, you're justified. Never sinned. You're washed white as snow. You are made clean. You are made whole. You're a new person. You've had, This is the first day of the rest of your life. Think about it. You haven't even got to the parking lot. And I know and I know that I'm saved. Romans three twenty-four says, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's the payment for our sin. We have been declared innocent. By the judge of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, by grace we have been declared justified if we have come to the cross, accepted the blood sacrifice, believe on the third day Jesus rose from the grave and now sits at the right hand of the Father. We've been justified Number two, we've been redeemed, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. We're in that group. Bottom line there, Jesus bought us with the blood of his Son. And the final one is propitiation. The third one is propitiation. Then I'll give you the fourth one. Jesus paid it all. He took our place. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Listen. The past is forgiven. The present is now. Now. And the future is in the hand of God. But the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Why not you? Why not you? The last one of the four I think is my favorite, and that's reconciliation. You know what that means? It means that we've been restored to the fellowship that is ours or offered to us between God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. He's going to listen. The prayer he's listening for for some is, "Lord, have mercy on me a sinner and save me." But others are struggling with some big decisions right now. You don't know what to do. This church is faced with a big decision, and I'm believing it'll be the right decision. But you can rest assured anytime God's people individually or collectively are trying to make a decision to be more effective for God that that the devil will deal some way. But he that's in us is stronger than he that's in the world. God's got it all planned out. Don't you worry about it. Don't lose any sleep whatsoever. But literally, the word reconciliation means we're restored to the fellowship. My last scripture is Romans 5, 10 and 11. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. whom we have now received the atonement. The atonement is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The progression is there, the answer is there, and the truth is there. In John ten twenty eight, this book says, And I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my head. I hope you'll go home today or turn off your television today or the Internet and you will know that you know If before this day is over, and many will die around the world in the next 24 hours, if that one is me or if that one is you, you know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Because there came a day in your life, not that you started going to church and started living a different life, but there came a day in your life when you just honestly said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. I am a sinner. And by your grace, I want to be saved. I'm inviting you to come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. Would you do that? And you know what this book says? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And him that cometh unto me, listen, shall in no way be cast out.